1: Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything Lakers. This is the LakersNation.com podcast. We've got a lot to break down today. We're going to focus quite a bit on some of the things Frank Vogel said after practice today, some things that raised some eyebrows. We also got an update on LeBron James that was a little bit different than the news that was out there earlier in the day. So we've got some things to get into today. Joining me for this show, Matt, the Optimist Peralta, Optimism Prime. Matt, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing good Trevor. It's good to know that the uh the live show curse is no longer applicable. They're on a three-game losing streak even though I've taken a break. So, I guess it's safe for me to come back on, right? Absolutely it is. It's been proven.
1: It's not you. It's not you that's it's that's causing me. the Lakers to lose. It's something else. Who knows what that could be? Hmm, I don't know. Maybe LeBron being out could be could be a big part of it. But no, yeah. fortunately it is not. Matt the Optimist Peralta.
2: Yes, thank God. I, uh, I miss talking Lakers basketball with you, Trevor, and our wonderful fans here at Lakers Nation. So it's good to be back. All right, let's
1: talk a little bit about LeBron James. So LeBron, yeah. obviously still dealing with swelling in his knee. Um, Frank Vogel, today after practice, we got a chance to, to chat with him, and he said LeBron is officially doubtful for the game against the Portland Trailblazers. Most people listening to this on Wednesday, it'll be today's game. We're recording this the night before, but in any event, the game against the Portland Trailblazers, LeBron, according to Frank Vogel, officially listed as doubtful. Earlier in the day, he was reported as being out, according to Shams Charania. plus out for a few more games after that. Frank Vogel didn't seem to echo that sentiment. He mentioned that LeBron, again, doubtful for this game, did not work out at the facility, was getting, getting treatment off-site, but characterized this again as just swelling. And this is a very key word that he used that I think is important, Matt. He said, It's preventative that what they're doing right now is to get LeBron back to 100% to make sure it doesn't turn into a bigger injury. To me, that suggests that whatever's going on right now is not all that serious. And there was some concern that maybe there was something else going on in there that maybe the Lakers weren't sharing or, you know, they're being secretive about Frank Vogel using the term preventative makes me feel a lot better.
2: Yeah, it makes me feel a lot better, too. And I kind of figured that was the case the entire time. Obviously, when Anthony Davis was out, Frank Vogel was riding LeBron James pretty hard, needed him to play some extra minutes. So I'm pretty sure that this is just them trying to save him somewhere wear and tear midseason. Again, I think LeBron's averaging um, the most minutes he has now in the past few seasons. So it- it's good that the Lakers are taking a cautious approach here, but it's it's just kind of unfortunate, given that where the Lakers are in the standings, they really can't afford to have LeBron miss time. So... Um, I think in my mind, they're just kind of hoping for that second half of the season run that, you know, a lot of people are expecting once they fully get healthy, you know, and that's a big if right now.
1: And you are correct. He is averaging the most minutes he has since his final year in Cleveland, the 2017, 2018 season, 36.6 minutes per game right now for LeBron James. And they are indeed hoping for a run, but here's the dangerous part. And I talked about this, uh, on a video recently when we started going over this LeBron injury thing there there's two ways to look at this. You look at the Lakers schedule coming up. It's not that difficult. I mean, they've got, they've got the, uh, they've got the Blazers. They've got the Clippers. They've got the Knicks. Yep. Even without LeBron, those are winnable games. Now they're not as winnable as if you had LeBron, but those are winnable games. However, Matt, the problem for the Lakers has been they've taken winnable games in the first half of the season and they've found a way to lose those games. And that's where it really hurts you. Like if the Lakers had top tier teams on the schedule for the next, what, four or five games, and and let's say all of those are without LeBron, you could say, well, okay, if they lose those games, there was a decent chance they would lose those games anyway. So maybe it doesn't hurt you that much. Whereas not having LeBron for these games, if you find a way to lose them, if you find a way to lose them, it hurts worse. But the flip side of course is you have a greater chance of pulling off the win. So I don't know how to approach this stretch. Is this a good thing that the teams they're facing are not the top tier teams? Or could this actually be a bad thing?
2: I just feel like there's added pressure for this group to win these games without LeBron. Because like you said, you look at the schedule and the win percentages of the teams you just named. And, you know, on paper, at least, it looks like the Lakers should have these games even without LeBron. Obviously, you know, Russell Westbrook's perked up a little bit. AD has looked like Anthony Davis, which is very encouraging. So, You know, with that being said, it kind of just feels like these are and I keep saying this every game, but this feels like must win. This feels like a must win stretch for the Lakers because they have, you know, unfortunately blown a lot of those gimme games or games that they should have won to give themselves a buffer for stretches like these where you don't have LeBron James. But unfortunately, that's no longer the case. So to me, this is a stretch where this could make or break you know some of the standings right now for the Lakers you know these three games i think coming up they need to have at least 2 out of 3 at least in my mind is probably the best case scenario obviously 3 out of 3 would be perfect but given the up and down nature of the season and how the team has looked i don't really bank on that anymore so just to you know get a couple wins in this in this next week would be great for the Lakers i think and
1: would certainly be helpful if 2 out of those 3 that you get the wins are are, are the ones against the Blazers and the Clippers because of yes. where things are looking in the standings right now, the Lakers are sitting in the nine seed Clippers are in the eight seed, but only one game up. So in their game against the Clippers, they could flip that and they can jump up to eight. Uh, and then the play, the Blazers are three games behind the Lakers right now. So you want to keep that separation there. I feel like the Lakers' floor, they're not going to fall out of the play in tournament. But if you're going to be so in the play in tournament, and crazy that this is where we are now, Matt, in the season yeah. where we're talking about not playoff positioning, but play in tournament positioning. But you want to be in that seven or eight seed so that you only have to win once in the play in tournament. If they stay in the nine spot, that's not good. So these games, these next two games, are actually pretty important that they find a way to get a win without LeBron. I put it out there on Twitter. I said, other guys are going to have to step up. And almost every response has been some variation of that's not going to happen to we're screwed to they've seen this all season and they, they none of them have ever stepped up. I don't know. You are the optimist. How do you feel heading into those two games specifically, knowing that there could be a pretty decent amount on the line for an early February game?
2: I would feel a lot better if it wasn't a back-to-back set, personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that they're at home, which is great, um, you know, coming off that six-game road trip. But um, I think every game for me is a little bit nerve-wracking because Jekyll and Hyde, roller or whatever analogy you want to throw out there, you just don't know what version of the Lakers you're going to get. And so even without LeBron James, I think this group has enough talent to pull off wins against these specific teams. But at the same time, you know, it's it's I think it's wise at this point of the season to not overlook any team. You know, you look at the Blazers and you think, oh, no, Damian Lillard. You know, there's there's some vulnerability there. The Clippers, obviously, without two stars, another winnable game, at least on paper. But um, those teams have perked up a little bit the past couple of weeks too. you know, catching up with some general NBA stuff, watching more games. I've come to realize, like, you know, these aren't going to be, you know, easy wins for the Lakers by any stretch. Um, I think these are going to be close games. Uh, especially so without LeBron. So I'm, I'm, you know, crossing my fingers that they come out with wins, but I, I wouldn't be holding my breath and, and, you know, expecting them at this point. Unfortunately, that's where we're
1: at on the season right now. Can't expect the win in just about any situation. But again, fingers crossed, the Lakers can get it done. They could start to put themselves in at least a better position in terms of perhaps the play-in tournament, maybe make a push, towards that 6th seed. Lose these games, though, and I think 6th seed is waved goodbye, and you're hoping that the Clippers, the Blazers, they start dropping games so the Lakers can maybe move up a little bit. Um, Let's talk about something else that Frank Vogel said, though. He mentioned that when he's comparing his big lineups to his small lineups, Frank Vogel, as a defense-first head coach, said that the problem with the big lineups is that the big lineups simply don't provide enough scoring. They can't score enough points to keep up with their opponents, when they have a big lineup on the floor. And that means Dwight Howard or DeAndre Jordan. By the way, I still don't know why DeAndre Jordan started against the Charlotte Hornets and not Same. Dwight Howard. I've no, I haven't seen any. It, it hasn't come up somehow. But regardless, the big lineups, according to Frank Vogel, simply don't work because they can't score enough points. I've seen a lot of Lakers fans who have been saying, we have no rim protection. The Hawks are driving straight to the basket. They're getting all these lobs at the rim. Please put in Dwight Howard. Frank Vogel's countering by saying, we don't score enough points when we have a traditional big on the floor and we play our bigger (laughs)
2: lineups. Do you think that's, that's an accurate way to look at things? Um, I think, from this perspective, I, I think so, but I feel like the Lakers' problems this year is like a game of whack a mole. You solve one problem and then another one pops up, right? Uh, there's no perfect lineup with the Lakers. It's really just a matter of pushing the right buttons, I feel like almost perfectly the entire game for Frank Vogel. And anytime he presses the wrong one, it results in a loss. So that's kind of um, goes back to the theme of this season where the margin for error for this team is so slim. Um, so, you know, you, you throw out a wrong lineup out there for three, four minutes, that stretch could probably kill the Lakers at this point. Um, so while I kind of do agree with Frank that the bigger lineups don't score enough points just because of the spacing principles and the shooters or the players around the big lineups, you know, don't necessarily fit too well. Um, I think, you know, the inverse is correct too. And that if they, two, if they go small, Yes, they can score points, but then they're giving up points. So really, it's just a matter of just trying to mix and match as best as you can and hoping for the best, especially if LeBron's going to be out for an extended stretch.
1: I think it speaks to the problem that the Lakers have in terms of roster construction. Yes, 100%. They've got so many guards on this team that it's hard. Like Even if you're playing... Like if you're playing small, you really are playing small because playing, when people talk about small ball, it's not really about small. The the secret isn't, hey, let's get a bunch of dudes that are 6'2 and put them on the floor and that equals good basketball. That's not what you're trying to get. You're trying to get faster. You're trying to get more skilled. You're looking for those two things when you are playing smaller. Ideally, if you had a bunch of dudes who were seven feet tall and could all shoot from outside, and all had the quickness to defend on the perimeter. You had a team full of Kevin Durant or something like that. That's yes. your best-case scenario, right? But the problem is, this Lakers team, when you look at if Anthony Davis gets pulled out and you're playing small, you really are pretty small. Because normally we're seeing like a 6'6 Stanley Johnson, who does great, but he's six-six. Sometimes you can't overcome that. He's your, your nominal 4. As opposed to years past, where playing small meant a 6'10 Kyle Kuzma. Is your four, yep. or perhaps even a Marquis Morris, is your four? That's a bit uh, a bit different. So when we see the Hawks getting all these lobs at the rim, you think, okay, if you have a guy that's four inches taller there, that can still play on the perimeter a little bit, that makes a big difference. I mean, look, the Lakers have been starting what Russell Westbrook, Malik Monk, who's been terrific, and Avery Bradley, small guard lineup. Yeah, those yep. those are three guys who are six two, six three, and one of them is your quote unquote small forward. I that's that's an issue for this Lakers team. It's not necessarily just the bigs. It's the size across the rest of the roster and the fact that the Lakers signed so many guards in the offseason and didn't focus as much on the forward
2: position. Yeah, that's. I feel like you kind of just took the words out of my mouth. I've been saying this all season. They've been missing like a Marquise Morris kind of forward on the team, someone that can toggle between four and five. Kyle Kuzma toggling between three, four, and sometimes even five. They don't have that kind of player um obviously Carmelo Anthony has size and then there's Trevor Ariza but you know you don't want to play Melo more than I don't know 20 minutes a game and then Trevor Ariza even you know I think at this point he's probably past the ankle surgery and you know the rehab stuff but he just hasn't looked like himself so those are two guys that are in pivotal roles for the Lakers at the forward spots and they're just not producing you know at least on both ends on a night-to-night basis, so there's a real hole there. It's kind of why I've been advocating for as many Austin Reeves minutes as possible. Yes, he's 6'5", and maybe not a traditional small forward, but at least he gives you size, he fights defensively, and he won't, you know, kill you there. Um, You know, I think you can get away with Russ and Monk in the backcourt, but if your other forward spots are that small and not defensive-minded players, then you're going to struggle, and that's just kind of been the issue all season for the Lakers. I've been saying since the offseason, a lot of their issues are personnel-based, and so... Whether that comes via buyout or trade in the next couple of weeks, um, that's really the only path to this Lakers team, you know, looking a little bit more competent on both sides of the floor every night.
1: When the Lakers first started putting Stanley Johnson into their lineup, my initial reaction when he was out on the floor was, oh my gosh, this guy's huge. He looks big, right? and 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 then it dawned on me, I went... He's not, he's big in comparison. Like he's a strong guy. And for a guy who's six, you know, occasionally the Lakers have even used him at center. He does a decent job, but he's not really that big. It's everybody else on the team is small. And so that creates some problems for the Lakers. And so Frank Vogel, when he's talking about the big lineups, not scoring enough. Yes, but there's some drawbacks to the small lineups as well. And so that's where, that's where the Lakers are in a tough spot. And like you mentioned, it becomes whackable where you're creating other problems out there in exchange for for solving some of them. And I do think that Vogel is ultimately correct that if they're going to score enough points, you've got to have the smaller lineup out there, but you have to find some way to mitigate the issues that they have on the floor as well. And that's that's why when I look at the the Lakers roster construction and we think about the bigs they do have, your big lineup, you mentioned Carmelo Anthony, Trevor Ariza, he probably can't play right now. Like you, just Just yeah. realistically, as much as... And we were excited about Trevor Ariza coming back because the Lakers didn't have anybody with his skill set, and we were hoping he could be even eighty percent of his normal self. He doesn't look like he has it anymore, so he can't. He can't play. You can't put him in games right now, right? Except for yep. every what random fifth night or whatever. Maybe you can toss him a few minutes, but mostly you can't count on him to play major minutes. Dwight Howard, can you play him every night? Probably not. Probably not. he's your best bet. At the center position but you probably can't play him every single night it's more matchup dependent deandre jordan definitely not can't nope. can't be played so of these guys that you went out and got in the offseason to be that bridge between lebron and anthony davis you've got one guy you've got carmelo anthony and he's good on one end of the floor but not the other and so that it all wraps up into this idea of why frank vogel is saying well we kind of have to play smaller yeah, because the bigs that you got, number one, you didn't get enough of them. And number two, and when I say bigs, I mean your bigger wings too. And then number two, the ones that you did get have not panned out.
2: Yeah, it's, it's just an indictment on, you know, how they built this roster. And obviously we are were- you know, trying to talk ourselves into it or, you know, at least look at the positive side of how things looked in the offseason. Um, you know, one thing I do want to bring up is that we were really excited about the offense because we thought, oh, you know, younger legs, you know, smaller players, more outside shooting. So this is going to be a more up-tempo team. They're going to, you know, run fast, play a lot faster, you know, get more shots up. But I think the thing here is that what we didn't really consider at the time was that in order to get out in transition and get more looks, you have to get stops. And so you know without that defense without those defensive stops without those stretches, you know all that transition talk that we were so excited for doesn't really happen as often and You know, I think what's also unfortunate is that the half court offense hasn't looked too much better from past seasons as well. So It's just like an amalgamation of all these problems And so like I said earlier, it just kind of feels like Frank Vogel needs to be perfect in his lineup choices and how he, you know plays certain stretches and certain teams and If he, you know, does something wrong or makes the wrong substitution here, you know, sends this lineup out for too long, then you get losses like, you know, once against the Hawks or, you know, the Sixers was a blowout, et cetera. So I don't know, Trevor. It's, It's a lot of things that the Lakers as much, you know, I think better coaching could definitely solve some things but at the end of the day there aren't going to be a lot of coaches that can fix the personnel problems that exist currently I think you can optimize this roster to a certain extent but even then I'm not necessarily too sure how effective they'll be rest of season
0: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed
1: I agree. Now Frank Vogel did imply that the defensive concerns with the smaller lineups he believes he can fix. Sure. Whereas the scoring with the bigger lineups he can't. And so that's part of why he believes he can get better on the defensive end of the floor and no no surprise there, right? He's a defense first guy. He believes that he can fix that. So We'll see what winds up happening with the Lakers. They are indeed playing fast, third in the NBA in pace. I went over this on yesterday's show, but they've only moved up four spots in three-point percentage. They moved up from 21st last season to 17th this season. Not a big enough bump. Um, they're seventh in the NBA in steals, which suggests that you're getting enough turnovers, but they're also getting crushed on the offensive glass. And part of that is that size problem that we've yep. that we've seen here. And so that's preventing them from getting out and running as much as you would want this team to um, but that does lead us into our our next topic, though. Frank Vogel, he was asked about, okay, everybody's healthy. Let's say everybody's healthy. And remember, we got one game. We got one game, Matt, of LeBron, God. AD, and Russell Westbrook being healthy. And then LeBron was out the knee with the knee issue. But let's say LeBron comes back. Let's say he doesn't play against the Clippers. But fingers crossed, he comes back against the Knicks. Everybody's healthy. Um, Frank Vogel said he doesn't know what the starting lineup is. Now, part of that, part of that, I don't... <laughs> I wouldn't just assume that Frank Vogel seriously has no idea what his starting five is and he's just completely clueless. Part of that is he's not going to tell the media, right? He's not going to reveal his starting... He's the coach that doesn't even reveal his starting lineup for that day's game until the second the NBA forces him to. Yeah. So I don't believe that he really doesn't know, but he says he's not locked in on any particular starting five. We are... What sixty-five percent of the way through? We, there's what? There's about thirty games left in the season, right? And I don't think if I went and asked ten fans who are who are locked in on the Lakers right now, who focus on the Lakers, who know all the players, not talking about a casual fan, if I went and asked ten fans, what's the best starting five for the Lakers?
2: I would. A bunch of different answers. I would get a bunch of different answers. What? what what's your answer to that question? I'll give you mine after. I think
1: it's the, your big three. It's yep. Stanley Johnson and it's Malik Monk because I think Monk has been so good on offense that it mitigates your defensive concerns and the size that Stanley Johnson provides alongside LeBron and Anthony Davis, I think is needed. And so if you're going to put Stanley Johnson out there, you need Malik Monk's shooting defensively. I understand there's some concerns there, but that's mine. Um, but again, there there's a lot of different answers to it. Which is crazy that we're at this point in the season and there's so many different ways you can answer that question.
2: Yeah, you know what's funny? That was actually my other that's actually one of the two I had in mind. And then the other one I had was you swap monk for Reeves. Mm-hmm. Those are my two best lineups I could think of off the top of my head. Um, I think Stanley at this point you just need a guy that's just gonna play defense and spot up in corners I think the corner three has looked a little bit better the past week or two, but it's, you know crossing my fingers so I hope that sticks um, And then you know, I've been saying Reef should start now for I don't know like two months now um, And so I'm obviously a little bit biased there, but I do think, you know, given his size and defensive ability, I think he'd fit just fine as a starting two guard next to Russ. He's a smart guy, moves the ball. Um, I don't need to, you know, go over what Reeves can do, but I just think given he is not small at the guard position at 6'5, I think he can hold up a little bit better than than Malik Monk, uh, Malik Monk would, and I kind of like Monk off the bench to kind of lead those scoring units. Um, so that was my thinking behind it. But yeah, I I feel like you asked another fan, they might want to say Dwight and AD and go back to like the bigger lineups. I feel like some people would rather see Monk and Reeves instead of Stanley Johnson. Some people I know out of frustration or just hatred at this point would probably want to bench Russ. So yeah, you know, a lot of different combinations here. And I think it just goes to show you that the Lakers don't really know exactly what they have because just guys haven't been completely healthy and i know people are tired of hearing that as well but it's just the truth like um i I don't have numbers in front of me or anything but i bet if i looked at different lineup combinations i bet the minutes totals compared to other leagues other teams across the league it's probably a far it's probably a lot lower that'd be my guess and we did this a little bit last
1: year too but not to this degree right the question was is mark gasol in the starting lineup your best bet or is it somebody else? Is it Andre Drummond now, right? Is it is it his turn in the starting lineup, right? We, so we did this a little bit, but not, not like this. Not like this, where you have so many different possible answers. And then you think back to the stability of the championship season. The God, starting lineup, unless, unless there was an injury, when, right? When like Avery Bradley got hurt for a little bit. Oh, bummer. Avery yeah. Bradley's hurt. Okay, KCP, KCP a fully capable yep. guy, can step in, right? It was Danny Green, either KCP or Avery Bradley, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, JaVale McGee. Those were your yep. starters. And then Frank Vogel got to tinker with things come playoff time. We saw Markeith Morris for a little bit. We saw Dwight Howard log major minutes against Nikola Jokic, right? He got to mix and match. But for most of the regular season, we just that was the starting lineup. We didn't have this discussion. And I think it just speaks to what a mess the offseason was in terms of putting a roster together that here we are and we still can't pinpoint what the best starting five is.
2: I mean, again, like to no fault of, you know, Rob's fault or, you know, whoever else you want to blame. I mean, injuries have definitely played a role in that. But yes. I do think that, you know, given the circumstances, it is a little crazy that we're in beginning of February now when we're talking and that we still don't really have a starting lineup that everyone can confidently say this is this is what we're going to come out with tonight. Um And man, thinking about that twenty twenty team's insane. Like, I guess I'm just reminiscing over good things now because I just don't have a lot to, you know, look forward to when it comes to Lakers games. But man, it's crazy. We had Caruso, KCP coming off the bench, uh, Dwight. Like, um, I I guess it just goes to show. And I think this is like a good example for fans to realize how important chemistry and continuity are when team building. You know, a lot of Lakers players have echoed the sentiment is that, you know, they just haven't had time on the floor together to figure things out. And it kind of feels like everyone's just waiting for people to come back and then people come back and then someone else goes out. Uh, It's been the theme the past two seasons and it's incredibly frustrating and it's sad that it's still a talking point and it's still applicable to this day. (laughs) Two steps forward and two steps back. Um, I think the Lakers themselves,
1: the front office, They've taken it for granted because you think about how quickly that title team came together almost from the get-go. They had chemistry. And I I remember saying this a bunch on our shows. This is not the norm. This is not what happens to basketball teams. It takes a while to develop chemistry. This team is the outlier. So breaking up that team and bringing in other pieces and thinking that that same thing was going to happen again, it just, it's like, it's like winning the lottery and then buying a bunch more lottery tickets and being surprised that you didn't win it the next time. No, you, you happen to catch lightning in a bottle that one season doesn't mean the same thing's going to work out the following seasons. If you just happen to, to find the right formula in that one magical season.
2: Yeah. Things change quickly in the NBA. That's why, you know, I don't fault teams for thinking that this is If they feel like they have a window to go for it and they make all in moves i i don't blame teams for it um i'm a los angeles rams fan and i'm seeing the fruits of that labor come to fruition now where a team trades literally all their draft equity for win now players and look where they are so um as far as the nba and the lakers are concerned it's kind of the same thing right where you know the lakers had a shot they went all in they got their title and then they tried to build on it and try to recreate the magic like you said and Hasn't worked out. So it just goes to show you that, you know chemistry continuity Those things are pretty fragile and so to tinker with it or mess with it, especially the timing of when everything happened I think in a normal offseason those moves are more defensible, but given that it was such a short turnaround for that team um, I think you know, there were signs that maybe this wasn't gonna work out the way that we hoped it would and For the second offseason in a row they tried to do it again where they overcorrected and said, okay, we saw all our problems. Let's just fix all these problems and then hope that what we were good at last year still sticks. But that's just not the case.
1: I love it that you're talking about going for it, right? And, and cashing in draft picks. And you and I are both sitting on a mountain of draft picks in our dynasty. league. <laughs> <of laughs> we have cashed in all of our assets and we are sitting on all kinds of different draft picks. We control the first round. The next... We have
2: eight of the 12 first round picks in our <laughs> dynasty secrets this year. <laughs> Me and Trevor went below Casey.
1: Oh, thank you, Ron Gutterman, for yes. all the picks. Um, and let's finish with this. Jerry West, some comments today. They're pretty sad. Was talking about his relationship with the Lakers organization, says it's just it's not good, says it's terrible. And it's gotten to the point where the Lakers have now revoked the lifetime tickets that Dr. Jerry Buss offered him now of course jerry west is now working for the clippers maybe that's part of the the equation here and there's two sides to every story but on the surface this is not this isn't a great look for the lakers right i mean this is a legend a guy who brought you a championship a guy who constructed championship teams and his relationship with the franchise is is terrible he says it's it's irreparable it's never going to be fixed what do you what do you think about this whole situation and, and what's gone on here?
2: I just have no idea. Like, I, I know that there's been tension, and you know, this isn't the first time Jerry West has come out and said something about the Lakers, you know, in a negative light. Um, this just recent report just adds more fuel to the fire. And, you know, if you read that report by Sam Amick of The Athletic, you'll see that Jeannie didn't, you know, respond when she was reached out for comment. So, um, you know, as far as my thoughts go, though, I just think it's it's really unfortunate and sad that, you know, a Laker legend, you know, you and I are too young to have watched Jerry West play in the Lakers uniform, but we know him as, you know, the GM and the architect of those five title teams, really. Um, and so, you know, Jerry West's influence on the franchise can't be understated. He is a legend and he deserves, you know, to be respected and treated as such. And it's just weird that, you know, the Lakers franchise historically you know, goes way out of their way to make sure that their stars feel like their stars or to make sure that their, you know, their legends feel like, you know, they have a special place in history. But I just, I don't know, man. It's it's really sad and unfortunate. I get he's working for the Clippers and, you know, there's some bad blood or tension between the two franchises, obviously. But um, I just don't really necessarily think that this is, you know, how the Lakers should be going about things as far as Jerry West is concerned. Um, obviously, we only know his side. I don't know, you know, what the Lakers think of it. I don't know what Jeannie thinks of it or the rest of that front office or, you know, anyone else involved at the team. But um, I just, it's like you said, it's not a good look. Um, and it just kind of throws more dirt on this Lakers season, right? As if the on-court issues weren't bad enough, now you get stuff like this.
1: When I think about the the ticket issue, I wonder when was the last time he used them? like I, <laughs> sure. and, I, and I don't know I don't like I really I, I have no idea it could have been that he went to a game last week or they were on a road trip last week but two weeks ago right it could have been that he's gone recently I really don't know I can't think of the last time that he was on that the cameras found him and he was there isn't it possible would have been
2: good for Thursday right
1: <laughs> yes right <laughs> but well that's an away game though for the Lakers but fair, but yep. if it's if it's a situation where let's say he hasn't used those tickets in years and he's just passing those things out like friend to friends and stuff like that. Maybe that changes the equation a little bit like it. And I'm not saying that makes it right. Taking those tickets away or whatever. I'm just kind of throwing out that there's two sides to every story. So we, we've heard, sure. and it's, it looks bad for the Lakers right now. Maybe it would still look bad for the Lakers if we heard that other side, but there is another side to this probably with some reasoning beyond just we're being petty and we don't like you. Because right now that's the narrative that are out there. That's out there is look how petty the Lakers are being. They're taking tickets away from Jerry West. He's got a statue and they won't even let him have his tickets. And uh, and that kind of stuff's out there. But I'm sure there is another side to this that probably explains, fills in some of the gaps here.
2: Yeah, I mean, like, let's face it here. Um, As far as coverage for the Lakers is concerned, you know, if, if it's another outlet that's not a beat writer for the team regularly, everyone's looking to chomp at the Lakers, you know, to get some dirt on them, to add some more drama to that season, because that's what drives clicks and views, right? Is uh, when the Lakers do poorly. Uh, um, so I feel like, and you know, Jerry West has been a very honest guy. I feel like anytime someone sits down with him, it doesn't take him too long to, you know, start talking and opening up and, you know, just letting things fly. He, you know, he's a little older, he's old school. He doesn't really care what, he's, what he says too much. So um, maybe that's just him rambling and, you know, but again, there are definitely two sides to every story that's why i said earlier i'm not sure what the lakers side of things are maybe jerry's done some other things that he is not talking about for obvious reasons and so that's rubbed the franchise the wrong way too who knows i mean that piece mentioned you know the Kawhi bit um you know telling Kawhi not to sign with the lakers and come to the clippers instead of course he kind of has to say that but you know to basically tell a team to tell a player like don't go over here because that situation is really bad like you know, I mean, like if I was working for the Lakers, I'd feel pretty offended too, right? Um, but I'm sure it's deeper than that. Again, this has been brewing for a long time, and I think we're just seeing more stuff come to light. And I'm just kind of interested how the Lakers respond if they respond.
1: I wonder if, and by the way, he did he did had some choice words for the Lakers. He called the Lakers a poop show, right? I mean, that's, yes. that's that was it for the kids. Yes, out there. for the kids yep. out there, that was his term that that he was using, not. Not literally his term. He used a different word. We all know what word it was. But anyway, um, that I mean, that's, those are that's pretty strong words, right? <laughs> against against the Lakers. I'm sure they weren't thrilled about that. Um, but I do wonder if this is the kind of thing where, if you're the Lakers, you just you take the the pam beasley advice when michael scott had the unfortunate watermark thing that he was dealing with and she said she said it'll all just blow over in a couple of weeks you don't need to do anything and michael scott went no we need to have a press conference and went crazy and did all his michael scott things right and invited that lady in and and all that kind of stuff um and then she yelled anyway it it was a hilarious episode but pam had it right all along just don't respond to it and it's all going to blow over and everybody will have forgotten about it a few weeks from now. I'm sure if, you know, if the Lakers respond to this, it could turn it into a bigger story. Whereas yeah. if they just do nothing a few weeks from now, we've probably moved on. We're on to other stuff. Maybe LeBron's back, right? Other stuff's happening. The trade deadline. Yeah. Organizationally, from that standpoint, saying nothing might be the best course
2: of action here. I I think so, too. I mean, look, you have a team that's struggling. Players are involved in trade rumors literally every day. Uh, You've got your star player that's out for, you know, probably tomorrow and the next games after that. Um, And you're falling very, 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 very short of your championship expectations in the preseason. So why, you know, give yourself more distractions to deal with throughout the season? I feel like if it does get addressed, it'd probably be after the Lakers season's over. So, yeah, I, I don't expect their comment or anything anytime soon. I'm sure someone's going to ask, you know, Vogel or the players about it in the post game tomorrow, pregame even. But um, I, I really don't expect much of an answer from anyone.
1: Yeah, agreed. Agreed. And it might be the, the correct strategy for the Lakers. All right, everybody. Appreciate you joining us. Make sure you do follow us over on Apple Podcasts wherever you, or, or Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Doesn't matter. Follow us there. Uh, as I've said before, this is a little bit of a new format. Anytime there isn't a game Monday through Friday, we're bringing you a LakersNation.com podcast. Now, if there is a game, then the post-game show acts as the podcast, and that's where we do a lot of question and answers with fans. This allows us to get back into a traditional podcast format, which I felt like we had kind of lost, so I'm excited about that. We're also, Matt and I were already talking about this, going to start working on Twitter Spaces a little bit. We've done that before in the past, but we're going to do that a bit more as well, just to kind of give you guys even more opportunities to interact with Lakers Nation. So lots of exciting stuff coming. Make sure you're following us. Make sure if you haven't done so already, Um, Subscribe to the LakersNation.com YouTube channel. Turn on notifications as well. We're getting close to the trade deadline, so make sure you have all that breaking news. And of course, head over to LakersNation.com for all of our written work. Till next time, everybody. Stay safe and see ya.